or grab your notes, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for the message. I thank you for this time together today. We speak blessings over this discussion we're going to have. I pray that every heart and every mind is lifted. I pray that every vision that they have in their heart today would be touched. That when they leave, they can say, this really helped me. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Specifically this month, we're talking about what happened to my money. Say that with me, please. Come on. What happened to my money? Some of you said, that's a great question. There's a graphic I want you to see that has a picture of a river. And in this graphic, um, it really paints a picture that I want you to think about for the next few weeks. And it's about how to reroute your financial river. Don't you ever feel like your money is just floating down the river? And sometimes you can't control it. What could you do to reroute that? What can you do to change it? Well, in this month, I'm gonna, there are five things I'm going to say, five topics we're going to talk about to help answer that question. The first thing you have to do to reroute your financial river is you have to first adjust what you believe. Say that with me, please. Come on. Adjust what you believe. The second thing you have to do is not only adjust what you believe, which governs everything. What you believe is probably a great reason why you're where you are or where you will be. A lot of college students believe that that grant money, that loan money is not a loan. You really think you don't have to pay that back, but here's what's going to happen on the other side of the stage of graduation. Somebody will be waiting for you over there, and a few weeks later, they'll be sending you a nice letter. Hello, so glad you graduated. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, it's time to make that payment that we've been promising you is coming. It's about that time. And if you don't make that payment, they'll send little red marks to your credit report, and you won't be able to buy a doghouse. And it's, it's amazing how simple it is to get it, and it's a lot more difficult to pay it back. Student loans are no joke. Student loans are the rising tide. They are the future financial crisis for our country. It's unsecured, and it's incredible. And if you are going to go to school, you need to finish. If you're going to pay this much money and go through this kind of effort, it's not time to find a boyfriend, not time to find a woman or a man. It's time for you to find some books. Pay attention for 48 months. If I get you to be focused for 48 months, just pay attention for the next few months of your life. Every option changes. Say that with me, please. Say every option, every option changes. changes. Adjust what you believe. Adjust your belief system. That will help you in managing this season of your life. It helps you manage your money. If you don't adjust what you believe, nothing works. Secondly, adjust what you sow, what you plant, what you give, what you invest in. And I'll talk about that today. Turn your notes over. Let's cheat. Ready? Turn your notes over. Go to the bottom of your notes. Next week's, the next week, we'll be talking, over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about three things. And that will round out the five. Adjust your management habits. Say that with me, please. Come on. If you want to reroute your financial river, you must not only make sure that you adjust what you believe, adjust what you give or sow or how you plant, but you must adjust how you manage. I'll talk about Abraham's River. Abraham's River is an amazing study. It's a study about one incredible habit that Abraham had that changed everything. It's, it's an incredible way he saw things. And it, he's a great, it's going to be a great study because I'm going to show you man, his family challenges and how family challenges affect your money and affect your habits. Thirdly, we'll talk about, number fourth on the list is we'll talk about adjusting your routines. The goal is to get your routines to match your money goals. And I'll call that the Levite River. 
The Levites were incredible people that God set aside for a specific purpose. And God established certain routines and he linked it to a goal. And I'll show you how that all fits in that study. And then lastly, we'll talk about adjusting your comfort level when you have money discussions. Some people can't talk about money. And that's why you don't have much. Because it's very difficult for you to be transparent and open and honest. There's something that happens when you see the money. I love what Susie Orman says, show me the money. How much do you have cash? How much do you save? What are your goals? Lay it out there. And when you lay it all out there, it's amazing what you see. There's, there's revelation in how you think. You find out how, what you believe by what, how you spend and what you do or don't do. And so those are the things we'll talk about. The, the, the next week will be the Abraham's River, and then the following and final week, the last two will be combined into one sermon, and you'll see how I'll do that on next week. Back to where we started. Let me, if I can, uh, read your verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Here's what it says. Do not be deceived. God is not what? Mock. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I gave you one verse because I don't want you to get confused. I want you to remember a verse. We will talk about two verses today, but I want you to think with me about this one main verse. I'll come back to it later on in the teaching. But the bottom line message is God is not mock. Whatever a man sows, here's the big word, that he will also reap. That's the word you should circle, that. Put corn in the ground, you get corn out of the ground. You put squash in the ground, you get squash out of the ground. Butter beans, you get butter beans out of the ground. You get this in every area of your life. You work 40 hours, you get paid for 50, right? No. You get paid for 80? No, no, no. You get 40. That's it. You work 40 hours. Everybody gets that. What I do affects what I receive. And so if I want to change what I receive, I change what I do. It's all about doing. Students, I'm telling you, in college, the issue is not the homework. The issue is the hours. This is a, they give you a, a syllabus and they say, this is what you have to do this week. And this is, if you look at it, and if you're honest, here's a way to make better grades. You ready? Here's a good study skill. You look at the work each week and you say, this will require 12 hours of work. You, you, you can get a sense of what it is. That means I need, I need three days at four. Three days at four. I got I to gotta mix it up. Hang up the cell phone, can't talk. I have to sit here from 10 to 12. What I would do a lot of times is I'd say, well, I, I'm a two-hour guy sometimes. Sometimes I'm, I'm long. I can, go, I can go a whole day. I can sit there, get up for a break if I'm in it. If I'm feeling it and I'm in it and it's something I enjoy. But sometimes I'm two hours and I'm sleeping. Two hours, take a nap, come back at it for two more. Two hours, take a nap, come back at it again. That's how you win. You don't win by cramming at the last minute, not understanding the material and embarrassing yourself on a paper like I've done a time or two because I didn't really focus in and get it. I really believe there's something powerful about understanding how much time it takes. It, it just changes everything when you understand that. You get what you put in. And so when you go on the job and you're sitting in the boardroom, and if you really studied and you really learned it, you can contribute to the conversation. You're not just in the room because you got a piece of paper. Here's what makes them pay you the money. You can contribute to the conversation. You, you've read up on a software that they need that could solve that problem. You understand that concept so you can participate in solving that issue. You can foresee a problem that's coming. And so there's something profound that happens when you sow into your life, you reap certain things, certain opportunities. You get invited into conversations you would never get invited into. 
because they believe you can contribute. Someone said this to me just the other day. They invited me to be a part of a conversation with some other folks, and they said, we think you can contribute to the conversation. I thought, well, thank you. That's what you want to be, a person that people look at. Don't just go to school, learn something. What good, what good is learning how to drive and not being able to drive? You have a car, you have keys. You have a Mercedes, brand new. You have a, you, but you, you, you don't know how to drive. And that's how you find out. I went to get my driver's license the first time. I was 16 years old. Went down there, was so excited. License, oh boy. And I knew I knew how to drive, right? And, and, the, and the, the guy said, go right over there and start. Right over there. So I went right past the stop sign, right past all the yield signs to start where he told me to start. I didn't know he wanted me to stop at all that stuff. So I remember when I got there, he said, son, I'll see you next time. God bless you. <laughs> I flunked before I started. Honestly, I did. He sent me home. That was the fastest driving test you ever saw in your life. <laughs> now, it's my aunt who took me, you know, and I couldn't believe I flunked. I said, auntie, I failed. She said, well, I see. He told me to go over there, and I drove right past everything. Save, I was saved, I love God, but I flunked that day. <laughs> Sometimes in life, you're not paying attention. I, you know, I, there's something about investing so I know. And I just wanted to say that to you students. Don't just go to school just to go. Learn something. It's embarrassing for you, and then companies go through this all the time. They hire people, and they can't do what you hired them to do because they're not committed to it. And if I can just get on another hobby, or some of you just got a job, when's the last time you read about the area you're in? When's the last time you read a book on HR and you're in HR? When's the last time you read anything about what you do? Why should I pay you more money? Why should I advance you? Because you look good? You're not committed to, I don't care if you move boxes, you gotta become a boxologist. <laughs> the best way to move boxes. Lift them from the left side of the box about four inches inside. You know, learn something. You will be impressive, and not only will you be impressive, you'll fall in love because there's something about you that stands out and can make a difference wherever you walk, wherever you stand. Can I pray this prayer for you? Lift your hand. Father, may they make a difference. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Lord. Lord. Come on, say, Lord. Lord. Help me make a difference. Make a difference. Wherever, I walk, wherever I walk, bless people. Bless people. Let me stand out. As a, as a humble blessing to those I'm around, those I'm around. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Notice I didn't pray a peacock. I said a humble person. Somebody who knows how to present insight in a way that doesn't make you arrogant. Well, that's enough of that. Say amen. All right. How much did the Bible, no, how much did the Bible talk about money? A lot. And Labricat in his book, How to Manage Your Money, he made a great statement. He said there were 700 direct references to money in the Bible and hundreds more indirectly referring to it. In the Bible, two-thirds, he said, of the parables deal with the use of money. And so it's very important for you to see the value of this discussion. And my goal today, this week, is for you to learn how to sow, plant, give, and invest so that what you have in the future will grow properly. Ask yourself this great question. If I sow, plant, give, or invest the way I am now, what will I have 
what will I grow in my future? Jesus knew that it was important for you to consider this. And that's why he talked about it so much. The people he worked with were farmers. They were business people. They understood the importance of doing things and receiving a harvest, receiving reward for what they did. So everybody paid attention. And Jesus used language they would understand. And so as we talk about this financial river for you and your money and finances, there are three questions about your financial river. Excuse the space and the gap you see there in the notes. I want you to think of three questions. Number one, how many people are swimming in your river? Say that with me, please. Come on. How many people are swimming in your river? I want you to count them up. How many people? Need visas in there, MasterCards in there. Just add up all the people that are swimming in your river. And I want you to notice that when they swim, they, they don't swim like this with their palms down. They all jump in and swim like this with their palms up. So everybody that swims in your river is asking for something. How many people have you allowed to swim in your river? And how much do you pay them every month? How much are you giving to all these people that are swimming in your river? Third question is, how long will they be swimming with you? Five years, 10 years, two years, eight years? For most people, the biggest challenge, the biggest mistake you make is you forget how long you're going to be swimming. Here's the message to all students. Your student loan will be swimming with you for a while. And it will be swimming like this. And I don't feel bad about it because I think it's a good investment in your future. But please, if you make that investment, don't add other people into your river who don't contribute to your life. And every single time you go to the store and you're buying something, they say, would you like to get a card today? For a 10% discount, we'll give you a card. I would too for what you're going to pay. You're going to pay a whole lot more for those socks over time. And so you need to ask yourself, do I want them jumping in my river? Do I, do, I'm, not, I'm not against business. I'm a pro-business guy. I like business. But I think the problem is if we're not careful, we lose sight of what we're creating. A river full of people swimming with us, asking for our money forever, which has a tremendous impact on your life. It, it limits your capacity to give. It limits your capacity to receive. And I think that one, one of the things that all these people in your river do is you, you, you end up becoming a, a selfish person. Every day is about surviving. Every day is about just making it. So how do you have time to think about anybody? Last week, I promised you I'd ask, answer a question. And I am going to answer it. I want you to listen to Paul's response, you'll see how it all fits. The question I promised was, is there a direct link to what you give financially and what you receive financially? I believe the answer is yes, but I, I know churches have messed this up. Oh, man, we've done it. Some of us have done a bad job. And here's, here's an example. I went to a church, you know, and, um, and some friends invited me. And I enjoyed myself. And then when I got there, they said, well, see, we got all the pastors right here on the front row. All these men and women of God. Listen, we're trying to raise some money tonight, and we need Pastor Rick. Hey, Pastor Rick, glad you're here today. I want you to join me, match me $1,000. I'm giving $1,000 a night. I know you got it, Pastor Rick. I know you got it. <laughs> yes, that's the true story. And, you know, now, now if I had been told that before I came, I might have prayed about coming. 
I, I'm generous, man. I, I gave it. I ain't no praise God. Okay, well, hallelujah. No, you come and ask for that church. But, you know, it was, it was and I don't mind. I think, I, I think you know, my, let me say, my friends have inspired me to be a tremendous giver. I, I really, they really have. I've got some friends who motivated me to see beyond myself and give to charities and hungry kids around the world. You know, my daughter touched me so much when she was little. She came up to me and um, she saw something on television. I've told this too many times, probably. And she, she saw something on television about a hungry child. And, and, and she came and she wrote the number down. And she walked into my study and said, Daddy, do something about that. I said, baby girl, what you talking about? She said, Daddy, if some children don't have no food. They don't have any food, so I want you to do something about that. Okay, you going to do something about that? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. That we already do. Every month, children eat on Pastor Rick every month. Who do you feed beyond yourself? I want you to think about, I want, I want to challenge you in this series to give God a reason to bless you. I want you to get, give God a reason to make you a channel. It's so powerful, and I'm not going to give away the future here, but I'm telling you there's an amazing thought when you think about this. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about all of this in a way that's really profound. Listen to what he says. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap how? Sparingly. This is the answer to the question. Is there a direct link between what I give and what I receive? He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows how? Bountifully will also reap what? Bountifully. So let each one give as he what? Purposes in his heart and not grudgingly are necessity. He doesn't want you to feel pressured. And that's, that's so important. For God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, this is his goal, that you always have all sufficiency in all things. And you may have an abundance to... Abundance for what purpose? Every good work. The purpose is to give you something to work, give, give you the abundance you need to help others. You're not living just for yourself. Now, the Message Bible says it in a way that's so cool. I love this. He says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Think about this for a minute and make up your own mind. I love this. What you will give. What will the temples give? What will we be known for? I, I didn't say this in the last service, I, but I want to just say this. You know, there's this thing people have. Well, anybody know what I do between me and God? <laughs> Lovingly said, that's not biblical. Now, here's why. I want you to hear this. When you bought an offering to God in the Bible days, you brought your sheep and everybody saw it when you walked up. And if it was limping like this, everybody thought you'd bring an old broke up sheep to offer to God. They saw that. When Jesus saw the woman, the poor woman, and they like to cite her, like the poor widow's might, Jesus said she gave more than all of them. How did, she, how did he know what she gave? How, in, in the story, Jesus said those guys gave more. Those guys gave more money than she did, but she gave more than they gave because she gave all she had. How did he know what anybody gave? It wasn't, it wasn't private knowledge. 
Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I, you see, you know a little bit of the Bible, I, and I understand. It, and I'm not saying that, I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious, but that doesn't mean I don't tell anybody what to give. That doesn't mean that. That means you don't give with, with an arrogant motive. You're not trying to be, you're not trying to brag. Let me tell you what, what benefits everybody. It benefits people to see people do amazing things. It benefits you to see somebody who did not have any money, who was struggling and trying to make it, rise up from the dust and become a tremendous giver, a tremendous transformer of the world around them. I'm inspired when I see people give. I'm inspired when I see people do things. That's why people say amounts, and I'm not talking about amounts today, but I'll do that another time. But I want you to understand there's something powerful that will happen in your life. You know what? You ever go shopping with people and, 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 and they got money and you don't? You know how you know? You know how you know? You can tell what you look at. You start easing to the sale line, you know. <laughs> or you ask this question, how much those socks cost? How much, how much the blouse cost? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ask. I ask that question all the time. But here's the point. You get inspired when you're around people who dress good. You get inspired when you ride with people whose cars clean. You get inspired when you go to somebody's house and it's clean and yours is not. It inspires you not to take them to your house. <laughs> it does. It inspires you. You know, I'm telling you, it inspires you. Get, some of you got the wrong friends. You need some people to inspire you. You know, when some people, girl, you know, you, you go out with your girlfriend, right? And she comes to the door. Where you going looking like that? You know, high water pants and them things, all that. Now, listen, you can't know. We ain't going out like that today. Now, with me, you need to comb your hair, too, baby. Look at your hair. You know, see, she going to inspire you to fix up yourself. So the next time y'all going out, you know to get it right, because they're going to talk about you time they see you. You need people in your life like that. You need people in your life who challenge you, who inspire you. And I'm telling you right now, you, if you're around givers, man, they'll raise up your giving. They'll make you believe God like you never believed God before. And you can do amazing things. Come on, say amen. Come on, amazing things. And they're not afraid to talk about money. They're not afraid to say it. They're not afraid to put it out there. That's why some families have more than others. Some families are kicking you though. Say, well, how you doing? All right, y'all look broken here. What's up? What's up? Grass not cut, your house looking unpainted. What's going on with you? Well, this is a mess. I'm struggling. All right, well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get together and we're going to help fix you. But we need to see your money right now. Put it on the table. And it's the right, if it's the right family, you know you call. All right, let me show you my bills. Oh, how'd you get all that debt? What the? Okay, we're going to pay this off one time. But, and, and see, that kind of family gets up in your face, makes you better, makes you stronger, challenges you, and loves you right along the way. Come on, amen. Isn't that the way it ought to be? That's the way it ought to be. I've been to some churches. I say, this place is a mess. I, I, it was a mess. The bathroom was a mess. Floors was a mess. Everything was a mess. The yard is a mess. I said, this is a mess. <laughs> I went to one church. They called me. They said they wanted me to go all the way. I want to say, what city? All the way someplace called miles and miles, thousands of miles away. And they wanted they, they was always picking me up from the airport. They asked me, would I catch the bus? <laughs> I said, no, I don't think I'll catch the bus. Catch the bus? Yes, from the airport, but I mind getting the bus. It's the bus. It's the bus. I said, the bus? The bus. 
Uh, the bus, B-U-S bus. I'm not against the bus. I rode riding the bus. But I think if you're going to fly me all the way there, you ought to get, pick me up in a car. All these hundreds of people, nobody have a car. I don't know my way around the city. I've never been here. i got to catch the bus. I'm going to stand on the bus stop with my little suitcases and catch the bus. Can I, can I finish the story? I got there. They found one person with a car. He picked me up. And they put me, took me to a hotel, and I looked at the hotel. I said, that's the place. <laughs> I said, that's it right there. That's the hotel. Right there. That's the one I'm staying. I said, no, man. I said, hey. <laughs> I said, listen. I said, wait a minute. I see a Hyatt. Didn't that say Hyatt? I saw a sign. I said, Hyatt, that right there. Take me to that sign. He said, did you go into the Hyatt? I said, right there. Take me to the sign. So he got on the cell phone. He don't want to stay at the place we got him. <laughs> One out of 12, it's an emergency. He don't want to stay. <laughs> I said, here's the deal. I'll pay the difference, okay? It's $10. I'll stay there. And not. It was $10. It wasn't much. Lift your face up say, vision. You need to be around people who lift your vision. People who allow you to be like you are. You don't need them in your life. You've been like that long enough. It's not working. Come on, it's not working. All right, I got to finish. Where was I? Who knows? Lord. <laughs> Dip the page over. Here we go. Three things Paul said that can affect your future. You ready? Three things. Number one, what you do going forward affects your future. If you can get that in your mind, that what I do can affect everything. Number two, how I respond to others and how I respond to God. Those things affect my future. I need, to, I, need to, I need to get that. Galatians 6 and 7, again, says, don't be, don't be misled. No one, <clears throat> excuse me, makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others. Oh, man. Ignoring God. Here's why I need money. You ready? Because I, I tend to ignore the needs of others if I don't have any. I can't do anything. All I can do is talk. All I can do is complain. But I can't do anything. You end up harvesting a crop of weeds, and he'll have to show, show all he have to show for all of, his, all of his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him. Notice, in him, he harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Now, why is it so hard to do this? Why is it hard to execute? Why, why is it we talk, but it's hard to get it done? Here's why. The reason is because we don't execute. The word execute means simply to follow through. It means to get things done. I love that. It means acting on what you understand. It means an organized, I love this, an organized plan that moves you closer to your goal. I met with my staff the other day, and I said, okay, let's list. <clears throat> Here are the things I plan to do. Here are the things I told you we were going to do this year. How close are we to number one? How close are we to number two? These are the things we said we're going to do. Let's get your list out. Ready? I'm going to get in phys better physical shape. Okay, did you walk today? Just the minimum. We'll take that. Okay? Are you monitoring yourself? Making sure you know what you're doing and not doing? 
I monitor myself. You walk in the day temple? I'm not happy with the numbers, by the way. Got up the ante this week. I, I got to be, you know, I got to be, at least I know. At least I know. At least I'm aware. I mean, am I any closer to my goals? How am I, how am I doing number three? I went down the list today. What is your list? Well, save some money. Okay, well, when did you say $5? I'll take two. Look, you can save $2. You said you're going to write a book. Get a, get a piece of paper out, write a book on it. Put chapter one. Starting. You're already working. You're, you're on your book. Praise God. You started. At least you did something. At least get started. I mean, you, 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 if you're not careful, you never sow what you want to harvest. And then you blame God because you don't have it. He says, give me something to work with. You want to go to college? Go pick up the college information. Call them. Go sit down. Talk it through. I wanted to do this. This is the best thing I've heard so far. Make an effort. Execute. Can you hear that word, please? Come on. Execute. Yeah, bring it again, people. Come on. Execute. execute. There's something about execution. You just wonder, does God look at you and go, this is impossible. I'll never get them there. The book that I, is a great book to read is called Execution, The Discipline of Getting Things Done by Bosley and Sharon and Bach. It's a good book. You know, it's an old book, 2002 book published. But when I read, I went and picked it up the other day and I thought, man, execution. Every time I think about that word, I think about this book and how it challenged me. Please don't just talk all of your life. Don't just talk when? All of your life. Don't just do what? Talk all of your life. Here's what you look like when you talk all of your life. You're on the runway, and you say, I'm taking off. Vroom. Okay. I'm taking off. Vroom. Okay. Watch it now. This is it. I'm taking off. What am I going to say? That's it. All my life. Vroom. Some of you should look in the mirror today and go, Vroom. I've been vooming for 20 years. <laughs> Vroom. Getting off drugs. Vroom. 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 I'm sorry. Forgive me. Reasons people are afraid to execute. Here you go. We're done for the day. Number one, they forget it is their river. You know, this is your responsibility, right? This is your personal life we're talking about. It's not my river we're talking about. We're talking about you not being mobile because you don't take care of yourself. We're talking about you going to the hospital because you don't take care of yourself. We're talking about you not taking your blood pressure medicine doctor told you to take because you don't want to take it and you forget this is your river, you will be stroking, not me, you. This is your life, your river. You're letting everybody jump in. You're letting all these people take over. This is not my life. And then you want to complain. And what's really amazing is, you know, when you get to heaven, you and God should have a discussion. And if God was talking to you in street talk, you won't blame me. You won't blame me for your life. You chose. I'm sorry, he don't talk like that, but you get the point. I don't know, but you get the point. If you could pause for a moment and say to yourself, ah, this is my river. 
Why do I have a relationship with somebody that's beating me up in my river? Why am I, why am I letting this happen to me? Secondly, they, they get comfortable swimming with strangers. You don't know these people. Here's a classic mistake you make with a salesman. You ready? I'm, and the salesman in here, and, you, and, and, and there's good side and bad side to this, okay? On the salesman side, you want to make a friend. On the salesman side, you want to make, make a friend. Glad to have you in our store. What can we do for you today? Want to buy a table? Good. Well, this is one of our great tables. It's well designed. It's, it's, it's one of those that can really serve you. What, do you want, what are you trying to do? Okay, well, this could, this, could, this could serve your purpose. My name is Ricky. Nice to meet you. Jim, glad to have you with us. Well, look, call me back. Let me get your number, if you don't mind. Love to let you know if something new comes out. We have a new model coming out next week. And it's good, it's good stuff, right? I might sell something like that, right? Okay, here's the bad side. You forget you don't know me. You, you, you know, there's two sides to that. There's a good side. That's a good side. There's nothing wrong with that. I like guys to make friends with me when I try to buy stuff. I like that. But I have to remember it is my river. This is my river. And if I don't want you in my river, it's okay. It's your responsibility to help me get what I need, but I need to be careful. So, number one, don't forget it's your river. Don't forget you need to be comfortable swimming with people that help you and not get addicted to strangers, feeling you owe them something. So you make decisions to make the salesman happy and not yourself. That's the balance. You with me? Thirdly, they get comfortable living on the edge of broke and financial crisis. You're used to it. It's your culture. It's part of the way you've been raised. Here's what I want you to do. Break it. And become a person who lives beyond yourself. I have more to say next week. Did you learn a lot today? Thank you for coming. I want to take a few minutes, if I can. I promised you that I would um, entertain questions. I'm going to do like five. I only have like a few minutes to do this. So if you have a question about something I said today, and it's got to be about what I said today, okay? I can't answer about Revelations or Matthew. It's got to be about this topic, money, specifically today. Raise your hand if you have a question. Anybody have a question about something I said today? This is my promise during this series. Anybody at all have a question? Last week we had tons of them. Maybe I answered them all last week. Okay, if not, a, oh, you have one question, my friend? What's your question? He'll pass the mic to you, he's behind you, the mic's behind you. Yes. Is it possible for you to give more than uh, just your money in order for you to reap in your life, Pastor? Well, you, you tend to reap what you get. If you sow money, you get money. If you sow time, you get time. I mean, a farmer wouldn't think he's gonna sow watermelon and get corn. I think you have to be specific. Today, my focus is money and finances. And I want to show you what the Bible says brings benefit to you when you sow. Paul was talking about money in the text. I think it's unfair to swap the two, to say I'm going to sow time but never give God any money and think you're going to have a harvest of finances coming back to your life. So that's my answer. Thank you, sir. All right. Somebody else have a question about what I said today. Wonderful question, by the way. Where are you? Over there in the corner. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. He's coming to you with a microphone. What's your question? Uh, this basically has to deal with finances, not mm -hmm. uh, directly what you're talking about today. Uh, if a person has a, a few amount of dollars and they know they have to pay tithes, I mean, if they know they can use that money for food or any necessities 
and maybe they can owe God back. I mean, are they required to, you know, What's still the get the tithes? Go get some food. Here's why. Here's why. Because that's where your faith is. That's where you are. That's what life is today. God is not short term in his thinking. He's long term. I'm not talking about a crisis today. I'm talking about a lifestyle choice. It's when you say to God, I want to put you first. And I'll talk about this more next week and, and bring more context to it. There's something about getting in your mind that there's a benefit in putting God in the mix. And, and so, look, if it was me and you, you, look, man, you ain't got enough gas to get home. And I tell you, well, give me all your money and walk home. No, I'm going to help you fill up your tank and trust that you're going to change and that long term things are going to be better. That's how God thinks. OK, so don't sweat over that little one one day issue. All right. Thank you, sir. Come on. Amen. Two more. Anybody got a question for me, a question about what I said today? Back in the back, back there. Thank you. They're coming to you with the mic. You can raise your hand and yes, ma'am. What's your question? Good morning. In reference to teaching your children how to give, you know, we give them allowance and things for helping out around the house, how to instill that message in them to give to not only God, but to people they see in their path that are needing. Because children can give too and be a blessing. How do you instill that message in the children? The first thing, most of the time, children don't have much money because parents don't believe in allowances as a general rule. I think I'm a big allowance person. I got an allowance and I was coming up. How are you going to learn to manage what you don't have? And parents that don't give kids away, and I don't think it should be you got to scrub all the floors to get money because, you know, <laughs> I understand you want to teach them how to work. But I just believe that you have to give them enough money where they have something to manage that they can save out of. Because if you give me $5 and I tie 50 cents, then you tell me to give a dollar offering. I mean, I ain't going to have nothing to, you know, to manage myself. I think you have to give me enough money, and then you have to teach me. But your kids are not going to learn how to give through what they give because it's so small. They're going to watch you. They learn to give by watching their parents give. That's their first big lesson. Uh, and so the second lesson I tell parents is, okay, let them watch you, but then give them something enough so that they can manage themselves. And I'm going to throw this in as a side note. I, I believe in these jobs that kids have, but sometimes these jobs are bad for the kids, some of them. They pay them a little bit of money, take all their time, grades go down, and they, they're, they're working, but they're, they're not going to be, they're going to be living with you forever because you're not making sure that they, they have enough money. You as a parent have to engage your kids financially and if you do that right early on teach them how to manage their money teach them how to give and subsidize reasonably don't let the little jobs take them away from church school Amen. life don't do that for fifty dollars a week don't do that for fifty dollars a week one more time don't do that for fifty dollars a week you know i work i work all my life I, i've always had jobs my wife laughed i had jobs since i was in seventh eighth grade time I can get a work permit, I worked. So I understand the power of work, but I understand the power of, my mom taught me, she gave me enough money where I felt like I was managing something and I got a sense of how it works. So I watched her, she gave me enough to manage for me as a single parent, and I learned, and I'm still learning. I don't know if I helped, did I help you a little bit? You got it? Thank you, woman of God. Somebody else, one more, and we're done? Is that it for the day? Did you enjoy the day? Oh, yeah. Praise God, thank you so much.